Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody, before we jump into the show, just a quick overview. This episode is all about dementia and optimizing cognitive performance or cognitive function. This is a really important episode because there probably hasn't been a greater failure to progress in insight and wisdom in all of medicine over the last 20 or 30 years than Alzheimer's dementia. It's really important that we take an honest look at the State of the Union, where we're at. What, What do we know? What do we not know? What tools do we have that we are underusing or not using? Uh, Jen and I kind of walk through all of this and ultimately give you a plan to uh, take some steps to improve your life. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Future of Medicine podcast. I am your host, Dr. Wenzel, and I am joined as always by the lovely and incredibly talented Jen Justice. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, Well, I'm hoping this records. (laughs) <laughs> this is take two. Mm-hmm. We it's did okay. this yesterday, finished, only to well. realize uh, the audio decided to stop yep. recording halfway through. So hopefully this is uh, just as good or better. So anyway, this episode is um, all about dementia, some of the cutting edge diagnostics uh, that are available, and optimal cognitive function. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'm really excited about this topic, mostly because it's important, not necessarily because I have tons of breakthrough information. Um, I think at a, at a really high level, this is one of the most disappointing areas of medicine over the last several decades. Um, you know, um, we, we were chasing something that we thought was the root cause of Alzheimer's dementia, plaques and tangles, only to realize, boy, we're not making any headway Um, with that, maybe it's got nothing to do with the plaques and tangles. It's got Mm -hmm. something to do with something else. So we're kind of back to square zero. We've got some therapeutics that can kind of prevent it from getting worse in some cases, but really, uh, no treatment, which is obviously disappointing. However, it leaves us to double down on the only play we really have, which is to be on offense here as we always talk about. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that simply this episode will help people um, not become dementia experts because even the experts are still confused. It's it's to provide some framework about how to think about it, some of the language, some of the definitions, what it is, the types, how do we diagnose it? Um, what are some of these new things that people do need to know about? Mm-hmm. And then some action steps as we always like to leave. So let's start this first section, Jen, with defining what is dementia well it's super scary for one reason is that it's the seventh top killer of humans Mm -hmm. so when we looked at the list of the top killer of humans and we've already talked about probably the top three right heart disease cancer metabolic disease related things Mm -hmm. um alzheimer's is is on the list or dementia is on the list and it's interesting because it's not really a specific disease but a generalized term and we kind of think about it as a disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not accurate. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a generalized term to really describe the impaired ability to remember things or 
um, make decisions um, or think you know when you when you think of somebody with dementia or, or Alzheimer's you know maybe they can't recognize their loved ones that they that they used to um, but the the impact and I think the reason why it's so deadly is because it impairs your activities of daily living mm-hmm. so you know you you fall more and you you know kind of lose you wander and get lost mm-hmm. and you, you you don't eat you forget to take your medicine yeah um and dying so, from something trivial yeah yeah and it's different than normal age related memory loss so mm-hmm. talk about that well you know all of us have probably had grandparents that you know maybe they can't remember why they walked into a room or they've lost their keys a number mm-hmm. of times or they can't find their way back home mm-hmm. this is different it's just you know you don't have the ability to retain new knowledge and <clears throat> in age-related memory loss it's kind of like your short-term memory is really affected but your long-term memory is still there so you right. can still look back and remember what happened about 20 to 30 years ago you just can't remember maybe what happened yesterday right I can tell you everything about when I was 16 but I have no idea what I ate for dinner last night yeah that's yeah. normal age-related mm-hmm. memory loss. And we see dementia in older patients. And so I think many people think about dementia as just a normal part of aging, and mm-hmm. that is not correct. Right. Yeah, it's not normal. And it, it tends to, well, age is the greatest risk factor. Yes. So, so let's talk about risk factors. So age mm-hmm. is not the not-so-obvious number one risk factor, mm-hmm. actually. Right. Um, we, we tend to think, I did something wrong, or it's my family history. And while those are very, very significant, nothing outpaces age. Right. The longer you're on this planet, area under the curve, the greater your risk for every disease, every actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this one in particular tends to hit majority or 65 years of old, mm-hmm. years of age and older. Um, we do sometimes see it earlier, mm-hmm. but these are scarier cases and more accelerated, and we usually end up with bad outcomes at early, early age and really stand out in our family histories, right? right? Yep, yeah. yeah. Family history can be huge. Um, mm-hmm. We have a member right now that um, her mother is going through that, and I, th- I believe our member is in her early 50s, and she's just very, very concerned for her own brain health. And her As own cognition, be. yes. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about more about what we've done for her and with her. But, um, you know, family history is a big one, if, you, if you're lucky to know it. <laughs> um, race can be a risk factor, too. It's highest in African-Americans, Hispanics. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's one non-modifiable risk factor that we have to consider. Um, and it's also... Um, considered a metabolic disease now. You talked about the plaques and tangles before. Mm-hmm. We're kind of getting away from that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of old thinking, more yep. into type t- type 3 diabetes, where yep. it's more metabolic-based. Mm-hmm. Insulin, insulin resistance, resistance at the level of the brain, mm-hmm. that this is more of a, a metabolic phenomena mm-hmm. as opposed to some obscure plaque and tangle phenomena. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we do see the plaque and tangle, but it's almost like the effect, not the cause. Mm-hmm. And the scariest thing is it's not reversible. Right. There is no cure. <clears throat> yep. So we can only yeah. hope to detect it early and then, you know. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we are very offensive minded. We preach that gospel of you've got to be on offense if you want to live a long time and have a high quality of life. You cannot sit back and play defense. Mm-hmm. You cannot be passive with your health. It's, but even with heart disease, if you survive a cardiac event, 
you can then go on offense and in a lot of instances live kind of a normal life mm -hmm. and, and long and fruitful and full of vitality, assuming they're assuming you survive and assuming there isn't a lot of heart cell death. Mm -hmm. um, dementia is unique in that there is no play mm -hmm. other than catching it early and throwing all of your resources to slow down or halt the progression. There is no mechanism known to reverse. Right. Whereas you go into the cath lab with a 99% blockage, you walk out eight hours later with 85 or greater percent patency. Mm -hmm. Like this is a different beast, which is to your point, as you began with, this is uniquely scary. Yeah. And the effect on the families, you yeah. know, the families that care for, for people that have this, this condition. Um, it's sad, it's sad to watch um, for them uh, because their loved one is not the same. And it's just, you know, kind of depressing. But You've heard me say this a, a bunch, <clears throat> but it, 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 it's worth repeating. Um, it's my perspective. After 13 or so years in the ER, I've seen lots of death. I've seen lots of disease. Mm -hmm. I've seen lots of suffering. Mm -hmm. To me, I've lost loved ones from cancer. I, I, like, I, There is just... Alzheimer's hits differently. Yeah. It's the cruelest disease I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily to the person suffering from it. Right. Right. It's the people who love that person the most mm -hmm. because that person is losing their vault yeah. of memories, their identity, their history, their past, their relationships. It is profoundly impactful mm -hmm. in a negative way mm -hmm. to the inner circle of those people. And it, it, it just, uh, it's a unique, has a unique cruelness yeah. to it. And so I'm incredibly sympathetic to people who walk through that. Um, again, fueling this fear yeah. and um, um, real heightened sense of, I do not want that thing. Right, yeah. Um, as we move into section two of this talk, it's really about um, new screening uh, modalities, diagnostic tools, imaging. Um, while I would love to give you a laundry list of new and exciting breakthroughs, th those things don't exist. There are a lot of studies. There are a lot of things, irons in the fire, trying to elicit something that we can identify that actually makes a significant move in outcomes for people who have it or in a prevention. Those aren't online yet. There are a couple things that um, we should be doing because we do have access to them that while they don't provide a smoke and gun as a diagnosis early, they can be markers for, huh, dig a little more here. Mm -hmm. They could be early indicators. And, and some of them are as simple as things that we do in the office, mm -hmm. um, like in-office um, memory testing, yep. um, attention problem-solving. Many of these are, we've used a couple of them. Um, they're iPad-based, they're a few minutes. And even if they don't flag, they establish a baseline. So mm -hmm. annually you can see some drop off. Those can be early indications. It could be that you have a lot going on in your life and you're just <laughs> right. not paying attention. It also could be that you're losing some of the acuity mm -hmm. 
and the, and the, and the crispness of your thinking can be an early marker. Um, so in office screening tools, if you're listening to this, your primary care should have access either to these in office tools or there should be resources to someone in your community that has access to these tools. Um, we lean heavily on advancements in diagnostics as far as like blood work and imaging. Mm -hmm. The most pertinent, according to me uh, and you, and the way we practice is something called the APOE genotype. So E is an echo, APO, APOE. We all have an APOE gene. Each mm -hmm. gene has two copies, one for mom, one dad. We call that the genotype. You need an APOE genotype. And what we're looking for is a type four. Yeah. We, four is unique in its association with early cardiovascular uh, event and early onset Alzheimer's. I'm not really sure the mechanism. Are you aware of the mechanism? I think it has to do with lipid metabolism, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> you're probably right. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure exactly, but nonetheless, it is a huge marker. Again, not a smoking gun. Doesn't mean you're going to get anything. But it means this is a clearly identified risk. And if you have a copy of another gene and a four, that's a partial risk. But if you have a four and a four, this is a re this is someone, and I believe the patient you're talking mm -hmm. about is a four four. That's this right. is somebody who is should be at the top of the list as a heightened sense of awareness that maybe do all the things and keep maybe a few extra. Mm -hmm. Just a real sense of like awareness. Mm -hmm. Um we also been talking a lot about metabolic disease in other content we create, whether it's talking about diabetes, heart disease, cancer, or any other metabolic disease. I'm most interested in the current thesis, and this has not been proven, but it's starting to build quite a compelling case that Alzheimer's may need to be considered more of a diabetes type three phenomena. Mm -hmm. Again, you, you know, if you've spent any time in doing any research on Google, you may have come across some of this language. Um, again, meaning that the root cause of this disease is really nothing more than a brain manifestation of diabetes, insulin resistance at the level of the brain, which is insane mm -hmm. to, to, to think about. But nonetheless, metabolic screening, so your lipid panel, all of the things that we've talked about before with cardiovascular stuff, so your particle number, your fasting insulin levels, triglyceride to HDL ratios, um, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things that could give us a clue that you're insulin resistant. It's not just about heart disease. It's not just about fueling the flames of cancer or obesity, but we're, we are potentially also talking about um, cognitive optimization. And if we're not talking about Alzheimer's, we definitely are talking about the other type of most common type, which is vascular dementia, mm -hmm. which you end up getting from having high blood pressure, diabetes, having little strokes, and your, your brain tissue just gets beat up over the years, and you get dementia because of that, but it's not Alzheimer's type. Right. It's about 10%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think when you did your research, it was 60 yes, to 80. 60 to 80, Alzheimer's, 10% vascular, and then a mix <clears throat> was the third type. Yeah. yeah. And then so. there's some others, Louis body dementia, some other yeah. things that is beyond the scope of this mm -hmm. talk. This is really about dementia and not all dementia is Alzheimer's, but all, all Alzheimer's is dementia. Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's is really the thing that we're, we're most scared about, but we, number two on that list is vascular dementia and what component of Alzheimer's is more of a vascular phenomenon because of metabolic disease. 
stay tuned, I'm not sure that you can separate them completely. Um, We also look at other maybe not so obvious diagnostic stuff in office. Again, as an extension of metabolic efficiency, we look at body composition, measuring visceral fat, waistline, blood pressure, daily weights at home, um, heart rate monitors, um, sleep monitoring, um, anything that could show a pattern that would be concerning that we should spend more time. Mm-hmm. Um, again, none of these are, are diagnostic, but they you start building a compelling case. If they're all clear or you start stacking things that are not clear, you should probably make different decisions ba- mm-hmm. and execute different decisions. Um, For sure. Uh, obviously, imaging, if somebody has... Uh, if you're off on your your, your baseline thinking, um, some sort of imaging to make sure that we're not dealing with some sort of increased pressure in your brain situation, potentially a brain tumor, potentially you've had some strokes. So a CAT scan or an MRI mm-hmm. are usually indicated at least early on in the workup. And then I want you to talk a little bit about this here because this is real life for us. We're learning about a lot of these brain health centers. Mm-hmm. I think most major markets across the country have... Um, usually outside of insurance, usually outside of um, the standard kind of operating procedures of workups, but they're catching a lot of um, momentum because they're digging in to, in a way that feels much more handcrafted Mm -hmm. and thoughtful. Um, And and these centers tend to be doing things uh, like a um, a quantitative EEG, so a QEEG, so EEG is what you use to see if you have seizure disorder mm-hmm. and brain. So it's measuring brain, brain waves. waves yep. um, and then you, there's a special kind of CAT scan that uses a radioactive um, particle in a dye. It's called a SPEC scan. And through this type of imaging, we're able to recreate a 3D image of the actual brain structures, um, both externally and internally. Mm-hmm. And normal brains tend to look certain ways certain diseases tend to have certain patterns in the tissue so these you can you can kind of extrapolate potentially the health of the brain based on how it looks on a 3d rendering mm-hmm. which is really fascinating um why don't you speak a little bit about these brain health centers because i think for many many people this is like oh that's cool and then that's it yeah but if this is something if this is a topic that's really hitting for you mm-hmm because of your family history or mm-hmm. risk profile or you're in your 50s and 60s and you're actually in your own assessment, I'm losing my my crispness and I have some concern and I'm told I'm okay, but am I doing everything? This might be a discussion worth having. So talk about mm-hmm. your experience. With so we, we have a specific member that I mentioned earlier. Mother has dementia is going through, you know, watching her mom go through that and she's an apoe 44 so we mm-hmm. already identified that she's got plenty of risk factors. family history and the genotype um and so i researched out some different um solutions for her really to just relay her fear because she's in a place right now where she's doing a lot with the um modifiable risk factors she's basically an athlete from a fitness standpoint she eats very clean Mm -hmm. um but she just wanted to learn more and see if there was a way to kind of optimize her brain health so the amen clinic a-m-e-n 
clinic. It's uh, they have a location in Atlanta and Chicago. And listen, we're not saying whether they're good or yeah. bad. They just exist. Um, they will do the brain scanning. They will do a full workup, basically um, consultation, and then uh, give you a plan for either optimizing your brain health or, um, you know, kind of a preventive strategy, not really preventive strategy, but um, improvement strategy on your cognitive. Based on what they find on their testing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be adding some micronutrients. You know, they they test the micronutrients to just see if you're deficient in something. Mm -hmm. They do the brain scanning. And then you can follow back up and see if it's improved, which is pretty cool because a lot of times Mm -hmm. there's not a good way to see if something's working. And so they'll, you know, tell you, which is, which is great. Yeah. And, and, and look, I mean, there, there are no shortage of, um, places that you could go to get, let's call it brain testing done. Mm -hmm. But, but there aren't many that are going to be able to provide true imaging reports, objective data. Mm Mm-hmm that can that from you can create a thesis around what's going on and then execute a plan against that thesis and then retest to see if there's improvement yeah if you were which to, is really interesting if to me. you were to go to a neurologist tomorrow they would do the standard eeg probably some imaging and say everything looks normal they would look at the the structure and function of your brain the vascularity of your brain they wouldn't be able to tell you if your brain's going to perform better. It's not an optimization months. program. It's a do you have disease? Yes or no. Right. And unless you have glaring disease, you're normal. Mm-hmm. But but there's no mechanism in any of the healthcare current mm-hmm. model because we have sick care, not healthcare. We're, we're designed to tr- identify and treat disease. Yeah. And since there is no treatment for Alzheimer's, all we're saying is you got to go on the offense and find it early. So. Our only play is diagnostics. Right. And and those are limited. So then you really hyper narrow down into optimization. Mm-hmm. And so in your path to optimize your thinking, whatever mechanism you want to measure, if you're not optimal or incapable of getting optimal or there's a decline that's measurable, that could be, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it is, it could be a sign that we've got early Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's at play yeah at which point you potentially could intervene mm-hmm. and stall that out yep it's pretty That's fascinating yeah i think as we close this second section it's really about early detection and delaying because uh you can't really prevent it mm-hmm. and you certainly cannot reverse it as of the summer of 2022 right Um, As we move into the third and final section, this is all about an action plan. Like, what do we do with this information? We've alluded to several of these things, and this is not going to be too different for those that listen to a lot of our content because turns out we believe in what we talk about Mm -hmm. because it's the way we practice. And so um, we, we truly believe that every human, although it's not available, does deserve to have an environment where they can have conversation surrounding things that are important to them. Right. And we beat this drum often. You need to find your team. Mm-hmm. You might have the right team and you're blessed. You are lucky. Make sure you're taking advantage of having the right people in the right environment who will hear you and help you march this out. If you don't have the right team, 
find your team. Yeah. Like it's the first step. Yeah. The second step is to identify and to modify anything that is modifiable. Mm -hmm. So if you smoke, stop smoking. <laughs> if you have high blood pressure, get it under control. If you have diabetes, get it under control. If you have weight trouble, get that under control. If your lipids are bonkers, get that under control. If you've got metabolic disease everywhere. So do what you can do. Mm -hmm. Don't be worrying so much about what you can't control. Right. Your primary concern should be what you can control. Um, well, and what's great about those things, and we've talked about this before, is that they multiply. Yeah. They stack. So when you work on one thing, so for example, maybe you improve your diet, then the next thing you know, you're down 20 pounds, you want to start working out. Great. Yeah, we call them health multipliers. And then you start here. sleeping better. And yeah. then your stress level improves. And relationships I mean, improve. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. People tend to get over... Look, I'm, in, I'm included in this Me too. too. Humans <laughs> tend to get overwhelmed very quickly. Yeah. Because we think we have so much to do. What is beautiful about the fact that we, we really, we create tons of content, but we're really only talking ever about seven or eight things. Mm -hmm. Our playbook for virtually every one of them medical <laughs> is kind of the same. Yeah. Find your team, control what you can control, manage what you can't control. What is controlling what you can control? Metabolic disease is number one. Mm -hmm. You want to do something really good for yourself? Don't ever get diabetes. Go on offense. Go on offense. Hard Don't offense. ever get <laughs> diabetes. And if you have it, reverse it. Yep. And if it's not reversible, get it as tight as you can. It is this, Other than not smoking, it's the single greatest thing you could do for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's your anti-cancer plan. It's your anti-heart disease plan. And it's also your anti-dementia plan. Mm -hmm. These aren't new things. So maybe this talk you're listening to now will motivate you to do the thing that you wanted to do about the diabetes you don't want to get. But it went by the wayside and you didn't take action. The take-home message here is that executing that same plan will also help you in this arena. Yeah. These are health multipliers. Doing one thing impacts many things and don't wait i mean this particular condition mm -hmm. i mean 65 come on people are living well into their 90s that's half time yeah i don't want my brain to start declining that young right that's 15 years for me <laughs> so let's go yep stress sleep insulin resistance um hormone optimization hormone optimization these are all things that are all modifiable mm -hmm. and with the right team you should be digging hard into yep. these and then the last step is to identify and manage the non-modifiable you've touched on a couple of these age i can't help that you age mm -hmm. and with increased ages increased risk you have to just manage that risk yeah um family history genetics if you're an, if you're apoe44 like i can't change that you can't change mm -hmm. that but add it to your thought process and you have to manage that risk. I mean, it really comes down to the fact that this is so scary because of all the things that we've talked about. But fear, this is something interesting about fear. Mm -hmm. And the same is true for pain. They actually can be made to serve us, mm -hmm. but they can imprison us. 
Yeah, yeah. Pain and fear are fantastic motivators to get you moving. Mm -hmm. It's useful if you want to stay alive to like avoid pain. It's also useful to stay away from things that make you afraid if they're threatening to you. Mm -hmm. That's a good quality. The problem is if nothing is actively harming you, it's probably not useful to, to remain in pain. Right. And so while this may elicit fear and may be rooted in a deep fear, terror, crippling fear, that would all be reasonable. I would just encourage you not to stay there. Yeah. Use that pain and that fear as a today is the day. Take action today to do one thing that will serve you long term. Leverage the fear in your favor. Don't let it keep you on the sideline playing defense because people who play defense who get this disease have bad outcomes. Yeah. Use age to your advantage, right? If you're young, hit it hard now. If you're approaching mm -hmm. the age where it might appear, it's never too late. No, Start it, with one thing. No, and yeah, I mean, I think that's the message, mm -hmm. right? Um, Live with your eyes open. Mm -hmm. um, take ownership of your health and your future. And it starts with, do you have the right team? Right. It is not their responsibility. Yeah. You know, um, we all are responsible for our own lives. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you wouldn't let your children stay in a school that was ignoring your children. Right. Change schools. Yeah. You wouldn't stay in a job that you hated. I mean, you might if you had to, but you <laughs> wouldn't be happy. Right. And you wouldn't be confused why you weren't happy. Mm -hmm. People who have lives that continue to improve are on offense. Life isn't experienced passively in a positive manner. Right. You, you have to, life is happening for you. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you've got to navigate into the storm and around the storm and through the storm. And these things that are causing pain can be gifts if you listen to the message behind why you're hurting and why you're afraid mm -hmm. and then do something to alleviate those things. I love that. Um, this is a heavy topic, mm -hmm. but we, we wanted to try to tackle it because it tends to be one of what we call the big three. Yeah. It's cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's. If we polled 100% of our members, these would be the top three. Some people might rank them in different order, but these are almost universally across the board, the one, two, three. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, it's like, it's a scatter graph of like random things. These things matter so much and they're all in the top 10 killers of humans. Heart disease is number one, cancer is number two, and Alzheimer's comes in at seven. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Yeah. So they matter. So they're not only scary, but they're scary for a reason. I hope this is encouraging. I hope that you utilize the, the great team that you have. And if you don't have that great team, you begin hunting immediately for that team. And you use some of this content to help give you a, a jumping off point for what you should be asking, what you should be thinking. Mm -hmm. I hope you share this with somebody. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Maybe fi we'll find this useful. I love it. Famous last words from Jen Justice. <laughs> you get me every time with that. I mean, 
No, I'm good. Because your words are famous. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And anybody that knows Jen Justice knows how famous she is. <laughs> All right, Jen. Well, thanks again, and we'll see you next Thank time. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.